0: Well, welcome again. My name is Derek. It's great to be with you. Uh, we are going to continue our study in the Gospel of Mark. And we've we've kind of been using Mark as a theme for talking about discipleship. And, you know, one of the things about discipleship is that it's often about growth, right? And growth is something that's not just a Christian thing. I mean, it's it's still the new year. People love to make New Year's resolutions. They're almost always about how you're going to grow personally. In fact, I think it's one of the fundamental human questions that we ask is, can I grow? Can I change? Can I be somebody different? Well, we're going to see what Jesus actually has to say about change and about growth today through the parable of the sower. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Mark chapter 4, or you can follow along on the screen above. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, "'Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and they devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil.' And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and they choked it, and it yielded no gain or no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and they produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, and they choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, even a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, We're grateful that you have gone out to sow. Thank you for your word. We pray that we would receive it joyfully this morning. Open our eyes and our ears and soften our hearts that we might be changed. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Like many of you, um, I'm a coffee fan. And uh, in Italy, they talk about making good espresso takes three basic things. There's the machine. I could say it in Italian, but it wouldn't sound very good. There's the machine, there's the bean or the blend, and there's the hand. You need all of those things in order to make good coffee. Now, I am uh, nowhere near a farmer, but I think probably uh, any per- person who's familiar with agriculture would tell you that you also need three similar things for there to be good fruit grown. You need good soil. You need the seed. And you need the farmer to sow them, to till that soil. Jesus is speaking into an agrarian society. He's telling this parable to people who understand this. Most of them are probably farmers themselves. And he tells them that the Word of God is much like farming. And he focuses on these three things. So these are the three things we're going to focus on today. The soil, the seed, and the sower. Let's talk about the soil first. This is one of those amazing parables in which Jesus actually explains it for us. I really wish that He would always do this. It would make my job a lot easier if every time He told a parable, He explained it. This is one of the great ones that we get where Jesus actually tells us what this all means. And what He says is that the soil represents the human heart. And there are four kinds of hearts that receive the word, the seed that's given— There's the hard heart first, like the seed that falls on a path or like on concrete, where really it just bounces off. And the hard heart hears the word, it hears the gospel proclamation, but it turns away from it and it never even enters the heart. And then there's the the superficial heart. This is kind of the rocky path, right? Where the seed falls and it looks really great at first. You get back from a weekend retreat or a mission trip, and everybody's really excited about the Word. But then when regular life comes back around, it just kind of goes away really quickly because it's just superficial. And then there's the divided heart. That's the seed that falls among the thorns. And it's hard to tell, actually, if this is true faith or not. It's an interesting place because the seed seems to grow, but When the cares of the world and wealth and family and all of the other things of regular life kind of spring up, just kind of forget about the gospel, and it gets choked out and dried up. And then, of course, there's the good soil, the receptive heart that receives the Word and receives it joyfully, and it actually starts to dig down deep roots and produce good fruit for a lifetime. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of speculating here, which is always dangerous, but uh, Jesus does say this. He says, when when he's talking to the crowds, he says, listen, and then we get this word, behold. Behold will oftentimes indicate actually that you're supposed to look at something. And so, some commentators have speculated, you know, maybe Jesus actually saw a farmer up on the hill as he was teaching, and he said, behold, the sower went out to sow, and he uses this farmer for his illustration. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? if you're kind of living inside the illustration, the parable there. But the truth is, those who were listening to Jesus actually were living inside the parable. Jesus was not just uh, teaching a parable. He was not just explaining a parable. He actually was living a parable because guess what? The seed was being sown when Jesus was preaching. And all of those who were listening there represented All the different kinds of soil that that seed falls on. There were some that were going to hear him and think, oh man, this is cool stories. And then they were going to walk away and never think about it again. There were some who were going to hear him and say, this is so exciting. And then when they went back home, they'll say, now what what was that guy talking about again? There are some who may look like they show fruit for a little while, but it gets choked out. And then there were some whose lives were changed forever. You know, interestingly enough, we are a part of that parable every Sunday morning, aren't we? In fact, every time you open up God's Word, you know you're a part of this parable because God is actually calling us to to till, to cultivate our hearts such that they are receptive to God's Word when it is proclaimed. When we gather together and we open up God's Word together, when you hear the word preached, when you read it yourself, when you get together and you, and you pray or you open up God's Word in your community groups, this parable is happening. And the way, the shape, the form of your heart in receiving God's Word is of utmost importance. There's a house in our neighborhood that, um, that, I, that I think had the best, the best lawn in our neighborhood. I mean, it was very clear that these people never paid any attention to any of the watering restrictions of the city because this grass was lush and green and amazing. But the house sold, and the new buyers actually lived out of town. They weren't going to move in directly to this house. They were going to use it as a second house. And when they bought the house, they turned off the sprinkler system. And if you live in New Braunfels, you know what happens in the summer, if you have no sprinkler system, you have no grass. And so now, this grass that used to be lush and green and beautiful is just kind of hard and crumbly and kind of desert looking, it's never going to come back the way that it was. I think the same thing is true with our hearts, is that when we neglect to do the, the tilling and the watering of meeting God in His Word and in prayer, of connecting with His people, of worshiping with them, that same thing happens to our hearts. They begin to dry up, and when that seed is sown, when the Word comes, it makes it much harder for it to actually change us. There's the soil. Let's move on to the second piece, is the seed. It's another place where Jesus does us a big solid by telling us exactly what it is. The seed is the Word of God. He says that the word goes out and it's received in different ways. Now, did you notice this? And again, sometimes the, the, the most important things in Scripture are, are the most clear that we just kind of pass over because they seem so obvious. But here's one really obvious point I don't want you to miss, is that there are different kinds of responses. In fact, sometimes the word goes out and it, you don't see any change. Now, Jesus is talking not just to a crowd, but remember, he's also talking to his disciples. And he has told his disciples that they are to go out and sow these seeds as well, that they are to go and proclaim the good news. And he's telling them here something pretty fascinating, in fact, probably something they've already experienced, is that, listen, it's not always going to happen the same way. Sometimes you're gonna go and you're gonna proclaim the gospel, and you're gonna think, you know what, this is amazing. These people are so ripe for it, there's gonna be change, it's gonna be incredible and you don't see change. Kind of like your friend that you think, oh, this person is just so ready to be a Christian, but for whatever reason, there's just hardness there. I, I, have, I have counseled people when times where I thought, this is incredible, God is doing amazing things, this is going so easy, right? I'm a celebrating, and then one day, it's just not easy anymore. That happens. Sometimes it also happens the other way where you have no idea what God is doing. And he's, in, he's producing incredible fruit. I had a seminary professor that told the story of this garden that he planted in his backyard. And he had, it was like a raised garden. So he had taken the time to, to build these walls, to raise it up. He had brought in dirt, good soil to plant it. He had placed it in the, the perfect part of the yard, right, so that it would receive some direct sunlight and everything was going to be perfect. And he planted tomatoes. And he just, you know, very meticulously placed, you know, a seed in the, little, in the little place and put them in a row and planted this row of tomatoes, and everything was perfect. And at the end, he just kind of had a little bit of tomato seed left over, and so he just kind of haphazardly, you know, threw it down. And one of those seeds bounced out of the garden and landed halfway under the deck. That tomato plant, he said, grew to be about nine feet wide at about three feet tall, and produced, he said, an estimate of somewhere around 200 tomatoes, far outpacing the total number of tomato plants that were in the garden in the perfect place. Sometimes it just happens that way. Sometimes God just decides to create beauty in ways that we've never seen it. We never know what God is going to do. We also don't know when God is going to do it. One of my kind of ministry heroes is is a man in New York City named Tim Keller, who's a a pastor and an author. And his books and his sermons have have been of of immense uh, benefit to me. And I actually had the, the privilege of working with his son, Michael, when we both worked for a campus ministry called RUF. We came in together, and so we were there at our first staff training together. And in those first staff trainings, everybody is introducing themselves. And I just remember this so distinctly is that Michael stood up and he said, my name's Mike Keller, and I was converted under the ministry of RUF at Vanderbilt University. And at first I thought, oh, that's cool. And then it hit me like, what? This is a guy who grew up in the home of this giant of the faith in my life who I'm sure heard the gospel over and over, who heard it at church, who heard it in his family, who heard it from his mother, who heard it from his father, who was surrounded by it, and those seeds kept coming. And for whatever reason, in God's providence, those seeds landed on rocky ground for about 18 years until they got to college. And again, in God's perfect timing, the soil was ready. And the seed landed, and God has now harvested 10 times, 30 times, A hundred times wonderful fruit from his ministry. You never know what or when God is going to produce great fruit in someone. So here's the takeaway keep sowing, keep teaching your children, keep loving your neighbors, keep encouraging your friends. And then let God do the work of growing. He's a lot better at it than you and I are. But keep at it because you never know what God is going to do. All right, let's turn to the third piece, the sower. I said this before that sometimes the most powerful pieces are actually the most obvious. Jesus actually tells us, I think, the most important thing in this passage in his first words. When he's telling this parable, he says, a sower went out to sow. Friends, that is an incredibly deep theological statement. The farmer looked out upon his war-torn and drought-ridden land, and instead of staying inside and just letting it fade away, he decided to go do something about it. We are in the the liturgical season of Epiphany right now. The, The church, just like the culture, has a calendar, and the season we're in now is called Epiphany. It's one of those times of the church calendar that doesn't get quite as much pub as some other times, but Epiphany just means coming, appearing. And it's the time in the church calendar that we take about six weeks to just meditate on the fact that Jesus showed up that God left his throne and looked out upon his creation that was broken by sin and went out and did something about it. A sower went out to sow. A man named Athanasius, a guy in the fourth century, really one of the um, champions of orthodoxy in the fourth century, battled uh, a heresy called Arianism, which said that Jesus really wasn't God. He was just a created being. Uh, Athanasius did a fantastic job of battling that. In fact, was a big part of the Nicene Creed that we say here in this church oftentimes. In fact, if you hear that phrase, of one substance with the Father, if you've ever said the Nicene Creed, you can actually thank Athanasius for that. And in his probably most famous work called On the Incarnation, this is what he says. What was God to do in the face of the dehumanizing of humankind? What else could he possibly do but renew his image in humankind so that through it, people might once more come to know him? And how could this be done, save by the coming of the very image himself, our Savior, Jesus Christ? Some may ask, why didn't he manifest himself by means of other and nobler parts of creation, such as the sun or the moon or stars or fire or air instead of a mere man? The answer is this. The Lord did not come to make a display. He came to heal and to teach suffering people. For one who wanted to make a display, the thing would have been just to appear and to dazzle the beholders. But for him who came to heal and to teach, the way was not merely to dwell here, but to put himself at the disposal of those who need him. A sower went out to sow. He looked at the brokenness of this world, and he went out to actually put himself at the disposal of those who need him. Maybe a more modern Christian is helpful as well. This is from Bono, the lead singer of the rock band U2. He's actually talking about a time on a Christmas Eve when he went to a church service and he understood the incarnation really for the first time and the Lord changed him in some deep ways. And this is the way he talks about that experience. He says, the idea that God would seek to explain himself is amazing enough. That he would seek to explain himself by becoming a child born in poverty and straw. A child, I just thought, wow, just the poetry of it. I saw the genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to turn on this. Love needs to find a form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. Love has to become an action or something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. I think what Bono is saying is that a sower has to go out to sow. To make love concrete, to give it flesh, to give love action. And friends, that is actually what Jesus has done for us. He has come into our world to do something about our world, to make love concrete, to give love flesh and form, to give it action. In fact, the entire Bible, if you want to zoom out and say, what's the story of the Bible?" You could do worse than saying the story of the Bible is, a sower went out to sow. The Creator of all things moved, initiated in creating the world. When that world rebelled against Him, He moved and initiated by moving toward them. When those people that He chose continued to wander, He moved and initiated by moving toward them and bringing them back. When the world needed a king to come and rule and a savior to come and lay down his life, he moved by sending his son to water the ground with his blood so that we might be made right with God. Our loving savior, that sower, went out to sow. Praise God that he loves us enough not to leave us alone. May the Lord enable our hearts to be the kind of soil that receives him today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how grateful we are for the seed that has come to be planted in our hearts, for the initiative that you have taken in moving toward us. And Lord, we ask now that that you would work in In tilling the soil of our hearts, in fertilizing the soil of our hearts, in watering the soil of our hearts, that it might be receptive for your word. We don't want to be rocky places. We don't want to be thorny places. We don't want that word to be choked out, Lord. We want it to be received and we want it to to dig deep into us. So, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, increase the roots and increase the fruit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.